Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. This week, um, you can turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 8. Um, this week, we're finishing our, our, our series looking at the life of Noah. And really, the common thread that we've sort of explored from the beginning of this series all the way through until now is that we, we've seen what it looks like to follow God when God puts a call on your life. That that's, that's really the, the story of Noah, is the story of, of this man that, that Scripture will tell us he was righteous. And, and so God chooses him, and God looks down from heaven, and he chooses him, and he, he gives him an extraordinary call on his life. Certainly a call that, that no one before him had gotten, and, and a call that no one after him has gotten as well. To be the one that God would use to, stay, to save and, and restart humanity. It's this incredible call on, on this life that is just so big and so grand. But yet what we've seen is that even the most amazing calls that we could have on our life, the, the most remarkable things that God could call us to, the most famous Sunday school lessons that, that like, you know, if, if you could say, what would you, what would be an, an amazing thing that could take place in your life? Imagine if kids could learn about you in Sunday school. Wow, what a call on your life that would be. You know, that, that it's not everybody that, that the kids get to learn about in Sunday school. And, and Noah gets this call where not only does do kids learn about him in Sunday school, but like people who've never read the Bible know who Noah is. People, it's a story that, that even 2,000 years later sits inside of like the world's consciousness. People know Noah's Ark. It's a thing. People know animals two by two and all of those kinds of things. It's this incredible call. And we see Noah be faithful to this call. No matter how big, no matter how scary, no matter how grand the plan gets it. Now you're a shipbuilder. Now you're a zoologist. Now, now you're doing all of these things. No matter how big the call got on his life, Noah was, was faithful. And yet, what we see is even as Noah responds and is faithful to God's call and lives his life in the center of God's will for his life, it wasn't always equal, or sorry, easy. It wasn't always easy. God's will doesn't simply equal easy. Everything's good. Or the inverse, that, that things are hard, that must mean something's wrong. Things are difficult. That must mean I'm out of the will of God in my life if I'm facing difficult circumstances. If, if things are hard, it must be God. I'm sick. I must have sinned. My life is hard right now. It must be because I'm outside of God's will for my life. And we see in the story of Noah that Noah does everything that God asks of him. 
And it's still hard. See, we can have this idea that we need, what, we, what we need to do, what I have to do in my life is, is I have to discover God's will for my life. What is it that he wants me to do? And once I figure that out, what, once I figure out what it is that God has for me, then we're good. I got it made in the shade. Once I get my life into the center of God's will, now things are going to be easier because I'm, I'm doing what God's asked me to do. And, and God's not going to ask me to do anything hard. Except if you've read your Bible, then you know that this concept of God's will doesn't always equal everything is great. But from the moment Noah enters into the story, we, we see that even living our lives at the center of God's will comes at a cost. This, when we talked a lot about this the last couple of weeks, but, but this journey, this, this life period that Noah's in, it's going to cost him a lot. So we talked about last week, you know, his, his, his kids are saved but everybody else that he knows and loves, his entire life is gone. It's over. There was going to be a cost associated with him living out God's will for his life. But also paying that cost is what allowed Noah to be used by God the way he was and to be led by God to where we're going to see that he makes it to today. That he was asked to pay an incredible cost. But the only way that he could get to the other side of the cost was to pay that cost. And so last week we ended our message with verse 1 of chapter 8. And that, that's where we'll pick up today. After spending 197 days in the ark, uh, riding out the storm, we, 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 see, we see this. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and thus the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed. And the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The waters receded steadily from the earth. At the end of 150 days the waters had gone down. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. In verse 5, the water continued to recede until the 10th month. And on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Noah and his family, if you figure out all the months and everything, they've spent about a total of, of five months so far sitting inside the ark, pre preparing meals, Caring for animals, praying, hoping, wondering, dreaming, fearing. And, and what they initially felt, what I'm sure was, was a sense of comfort and a sense of safety and a sense of, of, of the ark being the provision of God in everything that's going on, over time probably turned into a a desire to escape. You know, it was a couple of years ago where, where we all had to, to stay home. We had to stay home in your house and you couldn't go anywhere. And after a while, you started to resent being in your house. 
It was, I, I need to get out. I need to go somewhere. I need to do something. I need to see someone, something. I, I can't be in here anymore. And, and Noah and his family together, there's eight of them for, for five months, have been sitting inside the ark. And I imagine as the rain stops and things are getting less terrifying outside and you're sitting inside the ark, you start to have your perception of the ark change. And suddenly this isn't the provision of God anymore. It's, God, why am I still in here? What do you think they talked about for five months? Every topic must have been exhausted into the ground. Hey, did I ever tell you about the time? Yes. Yes. You told me about every time, and I've told you about every time. That, you know, you, what, it, what do you do in, in their hearts? Noah and his family must have started to wonder if they would ever get off the ark. Would they have enough food to last? Could, could they survive the new world once they did escape? That there may have been a future with, with hope, but there was a future full of fear as well. And for now, it was just a present time of waiting. Now, when we're stuck waiting, it's tempting to start asking questions like, if God is all-powerful, why doesn't he just make things happen sooner and easier? If, if God controls everything, then, then why, why is this taking so long? If, if God can do anything, why does it seem like God is doing nothing? Why does God sometimes take so long to answer prayers? Why hasn't God brought this long-awaited thing into my life? Why hasn't God brought me a partner? Why, why hasn't God led me to my career, led me to the future I'm at? Why am I here saying, God, I want this. I believe this is my will for my, your will for my life. God, this is the desire of my heart. God, these are the things I want. Why am I waiting? God, if you can do anything, why does it seem like you're doing nothing? We've all had these kinds of questions. When life hasn't matched up to, to what maybe we wanted or expected it to be, where we've had these moments where we've looked and we went, God, something? But, but here's something that, that we can learn from Noah. It's that God is at work long before we see the flood waters rise. And he's there to sustain us through the storm. And he's there to care for us as we walk through the storm. And he will be there for us when the storm is over. But the reality is that God's plan sometimes unfolds differently than we would imagine. So let's go back to the verses. Verse 6. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove couldn't find or could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He, he reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. 
But he waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the, in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent out the dove again. This time it did not return to him. This passage frustrates me. We, we've come through the flood. The water is starting to recede. Noah can see some mountain peaks. He, he spent a month in a confined space with every sound and every smell that the animal kingdom has to offer. Get me off this boat. It, if I were God, I'd like to think that I would have fast-tracked this part. That God can dry the earth quicker than this. God, you, could, you, you, you flooded it. Clean it up. Do you know how long I've been on this boat? But instead of getting off the boat, Noah releases a raven and a dove to scout things out. The raven doesn't return, but the, the dove comes back to Noah, indicating that it wasn't quite time yet. And what, do, what does Noah do? He waits another seven days. And then he sends out the dove from the ark. No, Noah waits a week before re-releasing the dove. I would have been out there every 15 minutes. As soon as it comes back, go again, go again. The minute that you don't come, we're going to be doing this over. How many more doves do we have? Let's send them all out. Let's find some dry land here. But Noah waits a, a week before re-releasing, and it, it returns with an olive branch, showing that the plants have begun to grow. But the dove still came back. So he waits another week before resending the dove. This time it doesn't return, indicating the earth was habitable. But even then, Noah doesn't venture outside of the ark. Verse 13. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the cover from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. In total, it takes about seven months for the earth to dry out. And most estimates of how long Noah and his family are in the ark for is somewhere between 364 days and 370 days. From start to finish, from the day they went into the ark to, to the day that they come out. Again, if, God, if I was God, or if I was Noah, I would have wanted God to hurry this process along. But God's timing isn't always our timing. And in his timing, things can take a lot longer than we sometimes think they should. And when they do, it can be so very frustrating. But Noah serves as an example. He didn't rush ahead, but waited on God's timing. And, and we will see he waited on God's word. He was wise to do so. And when we trust, in, and so are we, when we trust in God's timing for our lives. If, you're, if you were here and you remember a couple weeks ago, um, who shut the door on the ark? Noah or God? 
God. God shuts the door on the ark. And so Noah waits inside the ark until God opens that door. He doesn't start hitting the thing with an axe. He, he doesn't start saying, God, I know you closed the door, but I know how to open this thing. And I've had, I've had you know, a year of doing push-ups because what else are you going to do? So I'm ready to open this door. But instead, we wait all the way till verse 15. The ground is dry. The birds are not coming back. They're bringing back leaves when they are. Things are good. But instead, we wait to get to verse 15. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every, every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground. So they... Are, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in numbers on it. I, oh, I need to read a couple more verses. <laughs> so Noah came out together with his sons and his wives and his sons' wives. All the animals and all the creatures that moved along the ground and all the birds, everything that moved on the land came out of the ark, one kind after another. I can't imagine what it must have been like to finally get what you've been praying for if you're Noah. God, get me out of this ark. And now, you're stepping foot out of the ark. And the thing that was God's provision that turned into a prison now maybe feels a little more comforting again than what the world seems to have to offer. What are we walking out into? What is the world going to be like? How are we going to survive this? As crazy as it sounds, I think it might have been scarier to, to step outside after the flood than maybe even to enter the ark before the flood. Everything's gone. It's eerily quiet. You don't know what you're stepping out into. But here's the thing. God was in control before the flood and during the flood. We talked about how he kept them safe. That he kept his word and sent the flood and he kept his word and kept Noah and his family safe. And if he's able to carry them through the end of the world as they knew it, he'd certainly be with them in this new world. Verse 20. Then Noah built an ark to the Lord, and taking some of the, the clean animals and clean birds, he, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Then the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. What's the first thing Noah does when he finally 
gets out of the ark. He builds an altar to God. The first moments that he comes out of the ark, he builds an altar. My friends, this should be our lives every day. This, this should be our story. When, when we wake up in the morning, instead of looking at our phone, instead of checking our email or hitting the snooze button or immediately going, okay, got to get the kids to school or, or whatever it is, that, that, the moment that you wake up in the morning and you're like, all right, got to get to, how long does it take us on average to acknowledge God in our day? Where does he show up in our morning routine? And as I, I pondered this question, I thought, I don't know the answer to that. For, for me. I guess somewhere in there, there's an acknowledgement. But I see myself in, in Noah getting off, off that boat. And my first thought is, we need a place to sleep tonight. We, we, got, we got to get to work. We, we're starting all over again. Let, let's get going. But his first thought is, I, I need to worship the Lord. And I need to, to have my first thought be, I need to worship the Lord. Consider this, God saved Noah from the flood. And it was a, an amazing display of his mercy. For, for us, though, we weren't just saved from a flood. We, we were saved from an eternal separation from God. We were saved from hell. And this is an unfathomable, dis unfathomable display of his mercy. This should want to make us offer ourselves to him daily, all the more. So my friends, starting tomorrow, I want to encourage you and me. Create a new morning routine. One where like Noah, we build an altar for the Lord. Get, get into the habit of starting your day with prayer and thanksgiving, a dedication of your day to him. Remembering Psalm 118 where it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And this wasn't just for one day when David wrote this thousands of years ago. Today is the day that the Lord has made and that'll be true tomorrow. When you start your day seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, your priorities and attitudes will all fall into the proper place. So then we move on to, to chapter 9. Last, last verse from the story we're going to look at. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. This, this is a moment that harkens back to Adam and Eve. This is the same thing he tells Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. And he says the same thing to Noah and his sons, Noah and his kids. Be, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 9, chapter 1 doesn't just signal a new chapter in the Bible, but it also makes a new chapter in human history. It's here that mankind begins to recover and rebuild from the devastating effects of the flood. Imagine for a moment, think, think for a moment, eight people are all that's been spared to get this world up and running again. I don't know if you've ever considered this or thought about this, because so often we, we picture a moment like this, and we picture, you know, the, the rainbow in the sky, 
and just this incredible like, wow, look at what God did. But if this next part doesn't go right, if suddenly somebody gets sick and dies... Or, or something else unforeseen happens, the hut catches on fire, they, they don't cook dinner properly, and, and somebody gets sick, or a couple of people die, the impact would be catastrophic. As the ark opens and these eight survivors scan their surroundings and allow the enormity of their situation to sink in, notice what, what it is that God gives them. He gives them his blessing. As they step into this brave new world, God blesses them. And in the end, that's all they really needed. With God being for them, not even the incalculable odds of what they've been through and what they're about to do can stand against them. What was true for Noah and his family is true for us as well. God's blessing is all that really matters at the end of the day. If he is for us, who can be against us? The answer, nothing. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God has blessed us, what can stand against us? Nothing. It's important to be reminded of this because we will all have moments where we feel like we're looking out on an empty earth. We'll all have moments in our lives where the challenge before us seems overwhelming above and beyond our limited abilities, that we're going to be asked to do something that maybe doesn't get talked about in Sunday school, but in your life, in your, in your situation, in your story, this is your ark, this is your Noah moment. You're asked to do something bigger and above you, and you look out, and the challenge is too big. But if God has called us to that challenge, whatever it is, then he'll provide us with his blessing. And his blessing will, will strengthen every crooked path. His blessing will level any obstacle. And his blessing will make all of the difference in the end. And this brings us to where we're going to stop in the story of Noah. There, there's more to tell in the story, but for, but for us, we, we've watched God go from calling Noah through to watching over Noah to bringing him out of the ark. And I want to close our time today with a couple of verses. Not from Genesis, but from Romans. And I want the, these verses, I want, I hope for you that they can encapsulate our, our, time, our takeaway from today and, and that you can take these verses away from, from what we're going to read and, and see in the life of Noah and, and, and see in your life the promise that God makes to us in this. We, we have the testimony of the story of Noah to fill us with encouragement. And I believe that these verses will, will show us what it, what it looks like for us to believe and trust in that. 
the promise, the picture that God gives us. Remember, the very beginning we talked about, this is a story about God. This isn't a story about Noah. This isn't somehow, look how amazing Noah is. It's a story of, look at what God did through a man named Noah. And as we look at the story of Noah, it's not a promise that be more like Noah. But it's a promise that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the God of Noah is still the God of today. And if God can do what he did for Noah, he can do what he'll do for you. We don't serve a different God. And it wasn't that Noah was amazing. Noah was just like you. He was just like me. And God worked in him. And so th this is the promise that I want for you to be able to take. If, if you have your Bible, and you, uh, you may have this underlined. If not, underline it. If you've got your U version, tap it out and, and you know, save it or whatever. But, but this is a promise that God makes. As we look at Noah, we look at our lives, we look at, you look at your life where you are right now, and you say, I'm standing in a place where I need to be Noah. Romans chapter 8 will say this. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Not because of how amazing we are. Not because of, we, you're more than a conqueror because look at how awesome you are. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through who? Through him who loves us. Through God, through God, you are more than a conqueror. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor storms, nor rains, nor floods, nor arcs full of animals, no matter the call of God on your life, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, the story of Noah will tell you this about you. You got this. You can do this. If God can do it through Noah, he can do it through you. Doesn't mean it's not scary, doesn't mean it's not overwhelming, doesn't mean that we don't stand in these moments and go, I don't know if I can do this. But the promise that we have in Noah is that the God of Noah is the God of John. It's the God of Lori, it's the God of Desmond, it's the God of Matt, it's the God of Yvonne, it's the God of us today. So if God is for us, what can stand against us? If God is for us, we are more than conquerors. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that as we read through these stories of the, the amazing things that you did in Scripture, as we read through this incredible account of this story of Noah, that there's nothing like it. There's never been anything like it. God, I thank you that we don't read this story as somehow just this account of this amazing man. And we, we don't read this story on the account of this is what God used to do. But God, I thank you that as we 
read through this account, as we read through this story, as we read through what you did in the life of Noah, God, I thank you that the promise that we have today is that the God who was is the God who is and is the God who will be. That you are the same yesterday, you are the same God in the book of Genesis, in the story of Noah, as you are today. And you will be the same God tomorrow. And so God, my prayer that we, as we read through this account, that our heart wouldn't be moved to say, isn't that neat? But that our heart would be moved to say, if God can do that, I believe that God can do this. And so God, I pray that as you filled us with this belief, God, would you act in our lives? Would you act in our stories? For each one here who's maybe called to build an ark, for each one here who's living on an ark for a year, for each one here who's standing on the edge of a new journey where they don't know what's coming next, God, would you show yourself strong on their behalf? Would you show yourself to be the God of Noah in their lives today. God, may your, your mighty hand, which, which is not short, which is mighty to save, your outstretched hand, would you touch our lives today? Touch our stories today. Touch the places in our life where we need you, God. We don't want to try and do it and fail because we didn't think we needed you. God, we need you. So God, would you touch our lives today? Speak to us. God, change us. Change our story. Do the miraculous in our lives. God, we believe you can. God, come and work. And God, thank you that in all of this, God, thank you that your word promises us that nothing can separate us from your love. And that through you, we are more than conquerors. Let that be our identity. Let that be who we are. Let that be how we see ourselves. God, let us not be maybe people, but let us be God can do this people. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Rain, rain on my face. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. Touching the ground But if I can't
Casting down our ways and sin And guilted over